Welcome back to another edition of the Nuggets Inc. podcast, your Denver Post Nuggets and NBA podcast. I am Gina Mizell, Nuggets beat writer for the Denver Post, and joined today by our five-tool player, is what I would call him, Kyle Fredrickson, who has been doing just about everything for the Denver Post right now. He's covering the abs and the playoffs. He's covering Broncos with me later today at Dove Valley, and he's been doing some Nuggets stuff down the stretch, too. So, Kyle, how's it going? It's it's good to be here. I, I can't tell you what day it is, but yeah. I can tell you that a lot of things are going on in the Denver <laughs> sports world, yes. uh, but I am very glad to put on my NBA hat here to sort of break down this Nuggets season now that you've had, a I guess, a little over a week to decompress. It's, it's probably felt like three hours for yeah. you with, with the grind of the season. But yeah, very, very happy to, to dive in here. Yeah, well, just to, uh, I guess, address the elephant in the room, too, uh, right off the bat, obviously it's been an interesting month or so at the Denver Post, and my uh, former esteemed colleague, Nick Kosmider, um, has departed us for The Athletic. He's going to be covering the Nuggets now for them. And first of all, Nuggets fans benefit because there's going to be even more coverage of this team. But obviously that has sort of changed up the podcast uh, situation a little bit. So um, obviously, Nick has been a great friend of mine for um, long before we were colleagues. We went to college together, have been friends for almost a decade. So wish him well. But yeah, that's sort of hung up the podcast situation. But yeah, happy to be here with you and uh, sort of recapping the season and a crazy stretch run for the Nuggets. Yeah, you know, to be able to jump in kind of on the coattails of this stretch they had at the mm-hmm. playoff push, it was really amazing yeah. to sort of see this team play at this level. I didn't really get the, the full season to see what it was like, but boy. I tell you what, the little slice that I caught at the end, yeah. uh, obviously minus the last game, mm-hmm. really impressive by this team. You know, when, when we look back at this season, it, does it really defined in a lot of ways, you think, by the last stretch run? Is that fair or, or unfair in some ways? Well, I think it does say a lot about how this team rallied. I mean, I, I wrote about it. We, we've talked about it. Um, it sort of was the center of the final two weeks of the season. But, um, you know, they were in the middle of that long road trip and sort of on the tail end of it. And uh, they had lost back to back games in Philadelphia and Toronto on back-to-back nights, two games where they had the lead in the second half, sort of let it slip away. Um, You know, obviously this team had struggled so much on the road all season, but um, that sort of felt like gosh, is this going to go completely go down the tubes? And, and you know, Gary Harris wasn't playing, and, and he ultimately missed 11 games, and just it felt in that locker room in Canada on that last day, you sort of felt, oh, gosh, like what, where is this going to turn? Right. But, you know, players and coaches sort of alluded to they had a meeting the following day in the team hotel. It was an off day in Toronto after that back-to-back, and it didn't seem like it was a huge, you know, rallying speech. It was just kind of Michael Malone putting the standings on, on the screen and saying – okay, do we still believe we can make the playoffs? And everybody's saying yes. And then obviously they rip off the six games in a row and then come up just short in Minneapolis on that final day in overtime. So again, we can dive into a lot of different things. But yeah, it was pretty pretty uh, interesting and pretty fascinating and obviously made for a very exciting um, stretch run. And I think that's why, you know, we talked to Tim Connolly now just about a week ago and he confirmed that Michael Malone will be back. Obviously a lot of players um, were disappointed with the result, but but, but, you know, hopeful based on how they played down the stretch. And I think, you know, a lot of people thought 46 wins would be enough to get into the right, playoffs. Exactly. And just with the West, the, with how tough it was, um, it was not enough this year. 
Right. And, you know, you, you bring up a good point of Malone getting that vote of confidence yes. and entering the year. If, if he had been told, hey, this is going to be a Nuggets team that once again is going to fall short of the playoffs mm-hmm. by one spot. You might not think that. And maybe right. maybe that's why that streak sort of plays into to people's sure. minds and how they evaluate this team. But when you look at Mike Malone's job, I mm-hmm. mean, how safe is it now moving forward? Is, is the hot seat more than it's been in the past, you think? Yeah, well, it's interesting because, yes, the, I, I, there was that narrative that you said that another non-playoff season or just there's a fraction of the fan base and again you wonder if it's just this little sliver of Twitter that seems to be the loudest but there is a fraction of the fan base that um, wants Michael Malone gone for one reason or another and, and they it's, it's funny you don't hear from them at all during the six game winning streak and then when they lose in Minneapolis they dissect that last play of regulation where Nikola Jokic got the ball and Taj Gibson strips him and again we can debate that um, all, all you want but when you look at First of all, how, yes, how this team rallied at the end of the season, but then also just the injuries that they sustained, the fact that 46 wins generally is enough to get into the playoffs. I mean, both uh, Michael Malone himself and Tim Connolly kind of scoffed at the idea that he would not be back next year, um, you know, and both sort of said, well, I guess that's the reality of professional sports. Everyone's always on the hot seat, but uh, there was... There was no like questioning of if he would be back. Now, the, now he is entering the final year of, of his contract, and so is an extension on the table. Is he going to be kind of a lame duck head coach, a wait and see type of approach? That should perhaps maybe play out over the summer or maybe even into next season. Because did ask Tim Connolly about an extension, and he did not comment on that. So, um, you know, again, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It just means that they're not commenting on it right now. But certainly, with the way that um, the season unfolded, um, you know, is Michael Malone a perfect coach no but is any coach perfect no besides maybe like Brad Stevens and Greg Popovich and (laughs) you know even they've had their struggles this year at certain points so yeah it's it's going to be interesting to see because Michael Malone is also growing into this role as a head coach as well you know he's been in the playoffs as an assistant obviously but he's still trying to get to the playoffs for the first time as a head coach and so um, I think next year's going to be big for him just like it'll be for this whole franchise for sure when we look at this season so much of it obviously has to be defined by Paul Millsap's injury Mm -hmm. you mentioned it before but the what if scenarios that we hear across any sports team Mm -hmm. what what happened if they would have had this key piece what do you sort of make of this first year for Millsap and 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 maybe what Nuggets fans should can expect from him moving forward because they really didn't get a full taste of what this guy did in Atlanta and, and if yeah. that might translate in, in Denver. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he he defined it as really frustrating, like the toughest year of his career, just because he had never gone through a serious injury before. So that, again, was really tough luck. He was a very reliable, durable, kind of Iron Man type guy uh, throughout his 12-year career and just kind of a freak injury that obviously sidelined him for three months. So you don't have him for those three months. Then he comes back and there's obviously that kind of reacclimation period there. I mean, we even look at the first game back, they blow a 19-point second-half lead against the Clippers, and you win that game, you're in the playoffs. Like, you, And so, and there are some other games here and there that, that maybe they lost, that if Millsap and Nikola Jokic and this whole team had been rolling, maybe they don't lose. And, and when it's you miss it by one game you can sort of nitpick every single little thing but um you know and and I asked him too because he he showed some spurts of like getting his offensive game back at at points particularly during that six game winning streak but at a tough last couple games offensively didn't shoot the ball well and and so he's not 100% and he said that doctors have told him that it won't be fully healed until the year mark of his surgery so that's 
that's mid-November. So it's still not going to be 100% even as he goes through the summer trying to re-strengthen it, goes through training camp, goes through the early part of the season. It's still not going to be exactly where it is. And who knows, with those long-term injuries, is it ever going to feel exactly the way it used to? I mean, I I don't know. So that's just something he's going to have to learn how to deal with as he stretches, you know, goes into the latter parts of his career too, which is kind of an, an interesting, I guess, conundrum to deal with as a veteran. But I still think obviously he can help this team. I think him and Jokic are still a good potential combination to play together. I right. think he will help defensively. And there were moments in the, in that, particularly that six-game winning streak, where even if he wasn't playing great, um, he, he made clutch plays down the stretch, made some clutch free throws, made, got a bucket when the Nuggets needed him, and just did provide that veteran presence as well. So, yes, this season will be – it's a lost season for Paul Millsap. It is a what-if season from that perspective. But I still think, you know, heading into next year that he can be a valuable piece of this core moving forward. Yeah, as we look ahead for this Nuggets team, it seems like they have sort of the core in place mm-hmm. to really build around. And I'm not yeah. sure there's a lot of non-playoff teams that can say that, right? Right, right yeah. I, I mean, when you look at sort of how this group has played together so far, what are some of the biggest offseason priorities you think that needs to happen to maybe surround that unit? Because we know what you know, Jokic is going to bring and Millsap's going to bring, Gary right. Harris. Mm-hmm. But as they sort of continue to evolve, in what ways can this group kind of help that core you know, be better than it was even this year? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting offseason because it's not necessarily going to have the splashy you know, name, like signing Paul Millsap, right. you know, throwing a bunch of money at, at a big-time free agent. But now that you do sort of have those centerpieces, um, it's it's like sharpening the roster around them, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's what can you do to, to get better defensively. Um, that small forward spot on, or, you know, that wing spot, I think, could potentially be very interesting, particularly if, A, Wilson Chandler does not u- utilize his player option, which I think some people would say they hope that they don't, that he doesn't <laughs> right, utilize right. that player option. Um, or if you can't sign Will Barton, re-sign Will Barton, who's an unrestricted free agent. So what do, what do they do there? Um, you know, even someone like Tory Craig, who is a two-way player, that ended up having a rotation role, um, you know, he would kind of fill that spot too. But do you bring him back and sign him to a full contract? So, yeah, when you look at Jokic, you look at Gary Harris, you look at Paul Millsap, and you look at Jamal Murray and the, the strides that he took in his his development in his second year, um, which I think his ceiling is still very, very high and just needs to obviously continue to play more consistently and, and develop as now a 21-year-old point guard. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they sort of tinker with things here and there because there's not a ton of free money to free up. Um, Gary Harris's extension kicks in, and there's also the big um, question of is this the year that they you know, sign Nikola Jokic to a max right. contract? They're able to do that, and yeah, we can sort of talk about that in yeah. more detail. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, with Jokic, obviously we could, like you said, we could debate his last game. Is this guy a star versus a superstar? You mm-hmm. listen to Sports Talk Radio, this, this, debate, right. this debate rages on, right? <laughs> yes. But obviously this is a guy that the Nuggets want for a long time yes. they don't want another team to have to get him right is there a scenario in which you think that another team would have an opportunity to sign Jokic and what would have to happen for the Nuggets to make sure that doesn't happen right so for those who aren't super adept in contracts and how they work which I don't me, blame me you. included yeah, yeah I was gonna say which I don't blame <laughs> you for not being <laughs> being a super in tune with all of that so basically the way that Jokic's contract is structured is um, he's going into the final year of his of his rookie contract and it's a team option for next season And so if the team were to just 
exercise that option, he would come at a very good bargain, about $1.6 million next year, which is just absolutely absurd for a player of his caliber. But then in the summer of 2019, he would become an unrestricted free agent, which would be very bad for the Nuggets just because some other team, who knows where, could just throw a bunch of money at him and maybe he opts to leave. Um, This year, if they decline the team option, he would become a restricted free agent, which means that if another team were to offer him a contract, um, they could match that deal or, of course, exceed it. And I believe there's a a negotiation period right before free agency in late June where he could sign a max contract even before free agency started, or at least agree to terms to be like, I'm staying in Denver, which by all accounts from both sides, you know, Tim Connolly said, obviously, they want to keep Jokic here for a long time. As you said, um, I know that Nicola really likes Denver, that he likes the organization, that he likes Michael Malone, that he likes everything here. And he kind of strikes me, obviously, he's a very, um, he's not a very flashy dude. I think he fits Denver really well. And I don't think he's, you know, chasing the bright lights or chasing a bunch of money. I think he just wants to play basketball. And obviously, you know, make a good living, make what he's worth. But I think that would be something pretty easy to get done this summer. But then if you sign him to that massive deal, then what? It, where does that leave everything else? Not saying you shouldn't do it because right, of that. Right, you should absolutely right. sign Nikola Jokic if you're the Nuggets, but then it just that's a trickle-down effect to what else you can do financially. Right. You know, in, in terms of being able to give Jokic what he wants and what the other players, what they want as well, what guys on this roster you think are susceptible to being gone next year? You yeah. know, a, a guy that, you know, I, I grew up in Fort Collins, grew up watching the Nuggets, Kenneth Freed, the Manimal. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a sensation around mm-hmm. here, and it seems like the guy's just fallen off the the edge of the earth is is it seem like at this point that Farid being gone is a foregone conclusion is there a chance they could restructure his deal and bring him back yeah I think um I think ideally would be trading him or trying to find a partner a trade partner and and you know I think it's it's pretty safe to assume that they tried to do that at the deadline um because by that point in February he had already fallen out of the rotation and I mean shoot down the stretch there were games where he was inactive and wasn't even dressing and wasn't even on the bench I mean so that just like you said that the the decline of his role with this team he's the longest tenured nugget he's the I understand why he's a fan favorite because he has brings great energy he's got the long hair he's I mean he's just like a very um, recognizable figure right. in, in this organization, but um, frankly, he's just like not a fit on this team anymore because can't really shoot, doesn't play a lot of defense, and in the league in this day and age, like if you're a, a guy of his size, of his build, you kind of need to be able to do both of those things. Right. So it's it's interesting. I mean, I'm sure there are maybe some other teams that could use him and could play him. I don't know if he's a starting power forward, you know, anywhere, um, at least on, on a decent team at this point. But he's going to be, if they keep him around, he's going to be the third highest paid player on this team next year, which how can you justify your, your third highest paid player not even dressing yeah. for certain games. So um, I think it might help this year. Now he will be on an expiring contract. This is the last year of his deal. Um, and again, maybe the Nuggets kind of need to just sort of bite their tongue and, and just, you know, do sort of grit their teeth and just do whatever needs right. to be done to get his salary off the books. So, yeah, that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch um, as far as, you know, what his future holds. And could they maybe package him with a, a younger player that maybe isn't in the rotation right now or a draft pick, something like that. But certainly that will be something to watch um, as we kind of head into these, uh, you know, summer months and, and the offseason. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think would be considered a success for this night? 
Nuggets team next year? Is mm. it playoffs or busts? I mean, I, I know it's easy <laughs> to have these sort of hot takes a week right. after the season sure, ends because sure. everything's so fresh, but what do we sort of gauge this team's, you know, wh- where they should be at? I mean, with a guy like, you know, Nikola, should they be in the playoffs? I mean, should it just mm-hmm. be, you know, if you have a guy that talented, there's no reason not to get there? Yeah, Tim Connolly gave a great quote um, last week when he met with us that kind of, that they're sick of being a bridesmaid. <laughs> you right, know, yeah. Two years in a row of, of being that last player that or that last team that's out of the playoffs. So, no, I mean, I think that it was the expectation or the goal this year, certainly. And again, if you would have told anybody at the particularly this is what I've laid out for people that have been frustrated about not making the playoffs if I would have told you at the beginning of the season this team's going to win 46 games they're going to lose Paul Millsap for three months they're going to lose Gary Harris for 11 games at the end of this at the end of the season when you're trying to like make that make a push to, to the postseason would you have been happy with that just leave it there right I think most fans would have been like Okay, For and then sure. I say, oh, by the way, that's not enough to make the playoffs because the West was so crazy and daunting yeah. this year. So, and is that almost a credit to Michael Malone in some sense? To sure, the fact that they're able to do that with the yeah, injuries, I mean, like I mean, it's it's coaching. It's obviously the players on the team and guys who developed and, and filled other roles and, and all of that. But to answer your original question, yeah, I do think that there should be playoff expectations yeah. on this team next year, at least going into the season. And again, crazy things could happen. What if right. Nikola Jokic tears his ACL? Ho- again, knock on wood, never want anything like that to happen. But things change throughout the year. But when you just look at this roster, um, the, that's it should be good enough for the playoffs. Right. And the other thing, too, is, is you never know what's going to happen with other teams. I mean, if the Spurs trade Kawhi, do they completely fall off the deep end? Right. Do, if LeBron James goes to LA or Paul George goes to LA, then suddenly they become a playoff contender with the young core that they have. Um, you know, if if yeah, Paul George leaves Oklahoma City, like does that do they fall off? Like so, it's it's hard to fully you know evaluate the rest of the West right now. But um, yeah, I think again, forty six wins would be enough in most years, and yeah. I think if they stay fully healthy, that the Nuggets should expect to to join that group next year. Yeah. So. So you complete your first NBA season on the beat <laughs> yes. after a long college football career. Like I come long, from the same yes. same college football <laughs> world. What surprised you most about covering the league in your oh, first man. year? I mean, I, that's sort of putting you on the spot. Sure. But what, what was about, about the just the experience of being a reporter that maybe took you by surprise? A bit? Yeah, the access is obviously way different than right. college sports. Um, even though, uh, particularly the last three and a half years when I was covering Oregon State, they were pretty good with access as far as you know availabilities and you know you could pretty much get any player you wanted assistant coaches were available. Um, I could watch portions of each practice, which none of that is the case at a lot of different places, and, and every program kind of dictates it. We're in the NBA. I mean, it. I, I, I joked with Michael Malone one time. I'm like, I talk to you more than I talk to my mom, <laughs> you know, because like, you're talking to him every day, whether it's at practice right. or on game day. I mean, sometimes on game sorry, days. Sorry, mom. Man. Yeah, sorry, I owe you a phone call. <laughs> um, yeah, but on game days, if there's a morning shoot around, um, you know, he'll talk in, after shoot-around, he'll talk before the game at, like, 5.15, and then after the game. So three times on a game day, it's like, honestly, there were certain points where I'm like, I have nothing else to ask you at this <laughs> point. Like, you've answered all my questions. Um, but, yeah, so that was that was cool. Um, you know, obviously, it's a way smaller roster than a college yeah. football team, so you, I feel like you actually can sort of build rapport with certain guys. I mean, I'm not going to pretend that I know these guys super personally, right. but you at least have that familiarity with people. Yeah, and, there's some relationship. There. Absolutely, yeah, and you, you gain people's respect, particularly when you're one of the few people that's on the road and you're standing in the locker room in Sacramento or wherever. It's like, yep. 
yep, we're all in this together, basically. <laughs> right. So, um, but yeah, it was really fun. Um, obviously, the travel is way more demanding than college football when you're on the road like six times a year, basically, for, right. for road games. And it's always leave on a Friday, come back on a Sunday. It's pretty <laughs> standard. Um, yeah, Team No Sleep was in full effect, if you follow on oh, Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, lots of 6 a.m. flights, lots of random places. But uh, but that's, that's also kind of fun, too, to yeah. see the country and to see all these different um, NBA environments and all that. So no, I really, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's a good group of people too. You know, you hear about NBA players and the ego that's involved and, you know, that type of thing. I didn't really encounter that much here. Um, so I, again, that's a credit to the people in the organization and who they've brought in, but yeah, it was overall was very, very enjoyable. Right. I I was lucky to join in on the the last, you know, six or seven games here Mm -hmm. to see this streak go. I was Mm -hmm. there in early February when the Nuggets beat the Warriors at home and that was an incredible atmosphere being in the stands for that. Uh, for you, best, best game that you covered. I mean, you you could almost make an argument for the last one based (laughs) on the the drama aspect of it. But since this is a Nuggets podcast, maybe we'll shift to to another game that Nuggets will will enjoy a little bit. Yeah, well, first of all, that game in Minneapolis was insane. Just, I mean, you could see because people talk about the playoff drought here. Well, Minnesota fans hadn't seen the playoffs since Kevin Garnett was there. So you could sort of feel just like the collective. It was a collective buzz, but also a collective almost um, just like anticipation or like nervousness, like just the weight of that 14-year playoff drought and then of course the game goes to overtime it, it's just the place was just going insane so that was that was certainly near the top of the list as far as environments I was in but um, the the best game that I covered was actually the in early February against the Thunder um, Gary okay. Harris right. game winner because right. obviously everyone remembers Gary Harris hitting the game winner but Nikola Jokic had a triple double in that game Russ had a 2020 game which is insane for a point guard obviously um, Paul George had like 40 something points and just was a total beast in the second half and uh they were down 20 the thunder was down 20 and he led them back to tie it and it was crazy um jamal murray made steven adams fall down with the wicked like hesitation dribble move and the bench was going insane so as far as just craziness uh and so much happening like that was that's the the game i will remember for a long time is like holy cow like you couldn't even trying to like write that game story was impossible because so much happened and you could like do you focus on that one moment do you try to incorporate everything so yeah that was a really fun game and i think was an it was a national tv game it was on tnt and sort of established hey this is the team that you know, again, it's the Thunder at the same level as when they had both KD and Ross, not necessarily, but they're still regarded as, you know, one of the, the best teams in the league or a flagship team right now in the NBA. And so for the, the Nuggets to top them, it was like, hey, we're, we're here too. Right, That's sort of right. how, it's sort of how it felt to me. For sure. And just sort of the final thing is, as we put a wrap on, on this season and, and looking ahead as well, as, as Nuggets fans are about to finish listening to this podcast, what do you think is the, the biggest question mark for this team going yeah. into the offseason? We talked about a lot of it, so maybe mm-hmm. it's backtracking a little bit, but what do you think is kind of the golden question, the one thing that Nuggets fans need to be paying attention to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of between now and the draft? Yeah, I think, I mean, Will Barton's status is probably the, the biggest thing for me, just because he is the most prominent, unrestricted free agent. And when you look at a guy who filled so many different roles for this team. I mean, he was supposed to be the sixth man. I actually, he's still qualified for sixth man of the year, so I actually voted for him second on my ballot. Um, Just because 
yes, he came off the bench more than half the time, but, you know, he started as shooting guard when Gary Harris was out and played great. He started at small forward when Paul Millsap was out. He even played some backup point guard at one at one point uh, before they dealt uh, Emmanuel Moutier and got Devin Harris. So he just did so many different things. And I know there, again, there's a fraction of the fan base that does not like the way he plays, thinks he holds on to the ball too much, thinks he takes too many shots, blah, blah, blah. But um, he is a guy that did anything that this team asked him to do and, um, you know, never complained about it, just did whatever. Um, But he's also vocalized that he wants to be a full-time starter. So he's going to have a big decision this summer. So where does where do things tug? Because I know he, re- again, really likes Denver, really likes his teammates. He was here during the, the bad years and has sort of seen the, the growth right. of this team and is appreciative of that. He was in Portland and not playing before he got traded to Denver. And so he's appreciative of the fact that this is where his career sort of blossomed and became what it is. So, yeah, that's going to be really interesting to see if they're able to, uh, to get that done because I think both sides – want to get it done, but also I understand why Will Barton would sort of want to explore other options, see what else is out there too. you got to bet on yourself a little bit as well. So that's going to be really interesting to watch. Absolutely. Great insight from Gina, as always. Uh, Myself uh, included appreciates it as uh, (laughs) all of us at the Post uh, take on seven or eight different jobs at the moment. We're actually headed uh, to Dove Valley shortly to talk with John Elway. I don't know if we'll podcast about it, but it should be fun uh, talking to John as the the NFL draft also comes up. Not not, Not a whole lot of break for you, Gina. No, the, not a whole lot. It's it's coming, I hope, after the draft, but certainly we will keep this podcast going um, throughout the offseason, you know, probably not every single week just because we are hitting sort of a downtime in the NBA calendar, but as we get closer to the draft and to free agency and to summer league, all that stuff that comes up later in the summer, um, we'll certainly do that. And we're going to try to maybe expand this podcast a little bit, get some guests on um, here and there, whether it's other media people, maybe players, coaches, people in the front office. I don't want to promise anything but um we appreciate you guys who have been listening and following along with our coverage all season long um it's been a ton of fun and already looking forward to next year so for kyle fredrickson i am gina mizell this has been the denver post nuggets inc podcast we will catch you next time